Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. How many are ready for the main point? Main point today is family is God's starting point for bringing heaven to earth. Family is God's starting point for bringing heaven to earth. We know that the heart of God is, in fact, to bring heaven to earth. Most of our Christian ideology is about leaving earth and going to heaven. Most of us have our little suitcases packed, and we're just ready to leave this place and, wow, leave this wretched world behind and go and hang out with Jesus in heaven. But I've got news for you. When Jesus does return, he's returning to this earth. So if you actually pass away and what the Bible says, sleep, if you actually die before Jesus returns and you do go to heaven for a period of time, you're not going to be there forever in the sense of separated from planet earth. Heaven is coming to this earth. So if you've got a problem with this planet, you might as well take it up with Jesus now because we're going to be here a while. Our king, our Jewish son of David, King Yeshua Jesus, will reign in his throne in Jerusalem. Like, like the Jerusalem. Like fly across the Atlantic Ocean Go to Tel Aviv, and somewhere in there, you're going to hit Jerusalem, and that's where his actual throne is going to be on the earth. God's plan always has been and always will be to make heaven and earth one. We know this to be true because every time Jesus spoke, he only said what the Father was saying. So every time that Jesus declared something, he perfectly explained what the invisible God wanted to share with humanity. And we know that Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So some of you who have this kind of abandoned earth mentality, I appreciate what Elon Musk is trying to do to get some people on Mars. Good for him. But the Lord is not asking you to abandon this earth. He's asking you to steward it to the point that it looks just like heaven. He's not asking you to reject this earth and leave it behind. In fact, when God created the earth and then he finally planted humans in the garden, he says, now I give the stewardship of the earth over to you human beings. The heavens he rules directly. 
You ever notice that the heavens work just fine? Like clockwork. The stars move the way they do. The earth still spins every day. Why? Because God is a very good steward of the heavens. Would you agree? The atmosphere still protects us from asteroids. God is holding up his end of the boundary of labor where he says, I will rule the heavens, but you humans must rule the earth. Which is why, by the way, Jesus came, the Son of God came as a human. Because the rulership, God's not going to break his word. He's not going to say, well, you know what? I guess humans can't handle the rulership of the earth, so we'll just forget I said that. God doesn't break his word. He'll break himself before he breaks his word. In fact, he allowed his own son to be broken before he was willing to break his word. So he has now given the rulership of the earth to humans. And our human king Jesus will reign on this earth, bring all of the totality of heaven with him, and we will rule and reign as kings on this earth forevermore. Is that cool or what? Here's the good news, and I feel like this is part two of Jake's message. We don't have to wait for heaven to come. We can start building heaven on earth now, and one of the most important and potent ways to build heaven on earth is through family. It's not the kingdom of heaven for later. Yes, the kingdom of heaven will come later, but the kingdom of heaven can be built now, and the starting point to bring heaven to earth is family. <sighs> Are you excited? Yeah. When God wanted to expand heaven on earth, he did not. The mechanism that he chose to plant in the Garden of Eden was not a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. When God wanted to extend the tent pegs of his heavenly kingdom down to earth, he did not build a nice white church steeple building with a cross on top in the garden. No, the system God chose to build heaven on earth was a husband and a wife, a mother and a father. The key passage for today is found in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them and blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. When God wants to build, he builds self-sustaining systems for success. Think about this. Think about it. When God planted all the trees in the garden, when God planted all the trees in the earth, they're still replanting. When God established water, the water cycle is still moving. When God builds, he builds with self-managing systems. 
This is how he is. He's a brilliant architect. He'll build something, and that something is meant to continue its process while fulfilling the purpose he created it for. Are you, are you still with me? Okay. Well, like I said, God's system to deploy heaven on earth is the family unit. And that word system, it's very important. If you look it up in the Webster's Dictionary, it is a set of things working together as parts of a mechanism or an interconnecting network. Another word for system is that it's a set of principles and procedures according to something, uh, how, which something is done. It is an organized framework or method. So the last system that God put into place in creation was the family. He created everything else, and then the last thing he made was family. And then he realized, I love this, by the way. Where are all the ladies at? Any ladies around here? Right, ladies? Where are the ladies? Come on. Ladies? No noise? Nothing? No wood? wood? No? Okay. You're really going to like this. Whatever. The Bible says... That when God had made all these things, he made the trees and he called it good, yeah? When he made the water, he called it good. You remember this in the Genesis? He called it good. But the Bible says that when he finally made humans, he says it was very good. So creation wasn't very good until you showed up. And then ladies, watch this now. The last thing God created was the woman. Because he saved the best to last. Uh, can I, can I, th thank you. See, the smart men in the room say amen to get some points, all right? I'm going to give the fellows one more chance to do this right. When God made women, it was the last thing he made because he saved the best for last. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. God had made man, and they decided to pull out of the man's rib this woman. By the way, I love that the woman was made out of the man's rib because it is the very system that protects the man's heart. Nobody protects my heart more like my wife, Brianna. She's truly the protector of my heart. So, family, it's God's mechanism of bringing heaven on earth, always has been, always will be. Here are another reasons why family is so important. Family is, in fact, the framework of society. God designed the nuclear family to be the cornerstone of society. In the book of Genesis, we find that at the very beginning of his divine plan, in Genesis 2.24, it is written that this is why man leaves his father and mother and is to be united to his wife, and they must become one flesh. This union is the foundation of which families are built and in turn which neighborhoods are built and in turn which cities are built and in turn which states are built and in turn which nations are built. This union is in fact the foundation of the fabric of society. For this reason, a man must leave his father and mother and join to his wife. I know I talked about boundaries a few weeks back, but I'm going to give it a little boundary refresher course. Husbands and wives who are in here, there is no person on earth more important than your spouse. Moms, your children are not more important than your spouse. Your spouse comes first. 
This is the divine order. First it was God, then it's man, then it's woman, then it's children. And in that order, we move with priority. Children who are here today, I'm not saying you're not important. You guys are awesome. Give it up for our kids. Our kids are great. Yes. <laughs> Levi's looking at me like, what? What did you say? Don't worry, Levi. When you get married, the same rules apply, buddy. Your wife will become first. All right, we good? Okay. Levi was looking at me a little funny, like, hey, don't you be talking bad about the kids now. But if you think about it, this is, in fact, if you want to tear apart, uh, the, this is, in fact, the most effective way to tear apart a nation. If you want to tear apart a nation, tear apart the families. If you want to tear apart a nation, just rip apart the families. I'm believing that our next waves of revival that are coming, they're going to start in the home first. Every time we've talked about revival in the church, it's usually been a church setting where people come to some kind of tent camp meeting, have a little Holy Ghost, hallelujah huddle, they feel good for a week, you know, maybe a few miracles pop. But revival is not revival unless it makes lasting impact in society. That is the difference, by the way, between revival and outpouring. Outpouring is, in fact, where God's presence is, is flowing and pouring out in a very unique and special way. But revival is different. Revival needs to have with it a lasting impact in society. And you know what I think the next revival is going to be? I think it's going to be a revival of families coming back together. I think the church for a long time has prioritized, like I said, its programs and its systems, and it's allowed the family to be an afterthought. Look around you. In this church, family is the program. When you got little kids running around in the middle of the sermon, you know you're going in the right direction. Family is meant to be a source of mutual support and love. The nuclear family is where we find the opportunity to live out the biblical commandment to love one another. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 25. It reminds us to, that husbands, you're to love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And wives, you are to respect your husbands as unto the Lord. The nuclear family is the sacred space where we learn to practice selfless love, forgiveness, and support, mirroring Christ's love for his church. How many of y'all can say or agree with the fact that the people closest to you are the ones that can hurt you the most? Yeah. Okay, we only had half the room being honest with me, so I'm gonna give you another chance to raise your hand. How many of you can honestly say that the people closest to you can hurt you the most? Yes, okay, all right. There is no arena in which God requires us to practice 
forgiveness more than in the arena of family. Some of y'all needed to practice forgiveness on your way to church. I mean, sometimes it is an absolute frenzy. Like, some of y'all go through, like, straight up, like, war zones just to get the kids ready on time to get to church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nobody? Or am I alone? My wife in the back, love you, baby. That woman is a trooper, okay? My gosh. She had three kids in 30 months. Do the math. It takes about nine months to have a baby. And she had three of them in 30 months. I love you, babe. I'm sorry. But there is no arena in which you have to practice forgiveness more than the arena of family. Especially in this notion between husbands and wives and parents to children. You know, sometimes I think we make this unrealistic expectation that our kids are going to be responsible for our emotions. My friends, that child is going to hurt you again today. There she goes. <laughs> and listen, that's not just for children, children. Like, parents, I think sometimes you think that because your kids are past 18 years old that they're mature enough not to hurt you. Parents, that child is going to hurt you again today. Forgiveness. You want to know the only way that we can maintain heaven on earth? Forgiveness. Because here's the deal. While we are still in these flawed bodies with a corrupted mind, we will still, we will still make mistakes and hurt one another. So on this side of the fullness of heaven coming to earth, the only way that we can keep this show going and keep expanding heaven on earth in our families is through forgiveness. Forgiveness, the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is that love keeps no records of wrong. How many of you guys have ever been in an argument with an introvert? Who are the introverts in here? Anybody introverts? Okay, the introverts all like kind of wave their hand just like slowly. Any extroverts in the room? Yeah, extroverts like, whee! <laughs> just, you know. Well, I'm the extrovert, okay? I process my emotions in 30 seconds. I'm talking like I feel the hurt, I get angry, I forgive, I'm done, and I laugh about it two minutes later. Baby, I love you. My wife, on the other hand, is an introvert, okay? When I upset Brianna, I finally hear about how I upset her four days later. I love you. Are we good? Okay, it's still good. She didn't know I was going to do this, so let's make sure we're good. But we'll just be in the middle of the kitchen, and maybe, like, something comes up that's totally unrelated, and it's there in that moment she brings up the thing that happened a week ago. Okay? Introverts especially need to hear this. Love keeps no record of wrong. Shh. Oh, okay, never mind. I tried. It's fine. Selfless love. How many of you guys want to hear a story about selfless love? Thank you, Chris. The story of a, uh, a motorcycle rider. He had loved his motorcycles all his life. Anybody like motorcycles in here? 
David, I know you like your motorcycle. Motorcycle? Okay. This guy's a motorcycle rider. He'd been riding motorcycles all his life. In fact, and his wife hated it because every time that it was finally the weekend, right, she wants to spend some quality time with her husband, what does he do? He's got to go out and enjoy the weather on the motorcycle, right? Wife hated it. He's riding the motorcycles. That's his thing. His wife had a very expensive doll collection. My mom used to have a very expensive doll collection, so she knows what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these porcelain dolls. Anybody seen those porcelain dolls that, like, no matter where you are in the room, they're still looking at you? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's like wherever you go, their eyes just follow you around. So we have a husband who loves motorcycles and a wife with an expensive porcelain doll collection. They're both getting ready to retire. And as a retirement present, the husband decides to sell his motorcycle to buy this beautiful mahogany case for his wife's porcelain dolls. Everybody say, oh. Now, at the same time, he didn't know, she didn't know that he was doing this. She didn't know. Was, and what she decided is she knew that he had always wanted this custom leather jacket and helmet combo. So you know what she did? She ended up selling all of her porcelain dolls to get him this nice custom jacket and helmet. So finally, when they both had done their transactions or ready to give each other their retirement presents, <laughs> he walks into the garage to show her the mahogany case and the missing bike, and she walks in behind him with a jacket and a helmet. So now they have a nice helmet and a jacket with no motorcycle and a beautiful doll case with no dolls. Selfless love. The Bible says to outdo one another in acts of affection. Did you know that competition is okay in the Bible? Competition is okay in the Bible, but if you're going to compete in the Bible, the Bible says to outdo one another in acts of affection. If you're going to compete, you better be competing with love. If you're going to be tripping over each other, you better be tripping over each other trying to serve one another. I love that family is also the place in which support Support is where we're supposed, to, we're supposed to get the most support from our family. You can see it with my boys. There was this one time, I don't know if you remember this, but there was like, you guys were like on the playground and somebody tried to mess with, or somebody tried to mess with Cyrus and you went to protect him. Do you remember this? You don't remember, this is fine. Me and my wife, this was a few years ago. The boys, like I was a, pr it was a proud dad moment because I think it was somebody tried to mess with Zion, and Cyrus came in. And the two boys that were messing with Zion were much bigger than them, and Cyrus came in ready to throw down, okay? Cyrus came in ready to stand up for his brother, ready to take on two boys that were twice their size. Proud dad moment, by the way. Like, you know, I know it's supposed to be Christian, the whole thing. I'm like, listen, you can turn the other cheek later after you've laid in a few of them. You know what I'm talking about? You turn it in the cheek after you've laid a couple. Anybody can I get an amen? Nobody? Okay. Family is the mechanism by which we support one another when times get tough. Erica, come on up, baby. 
Even after the fall, even after we ended up giving the authority of the earth over to Satan, even after Jesus had to come back, die, retrieve the keys of authority over the earth from Satan to redeem all things, even after all these things had happened, family is now not only God's action plan to bring heaven to earth, family is also God's action plan to redeem the earth. Originally, God had created the garden, set a mother and father into it, and just said, be fruitful and multiply, and just expand the, the reaches of heaven on earth, and then we messed it up. We sinned. We severed our connection with God. The Bible says that he had to put a separation between us and the garden, and then uh, he had to shorten the years of our life because he didn't want us to live in this flawed state forever. And they had to come and die and take the punishment of our sins. But just because all that happened, it still doesn't mean that, God, that family is still not God's action plan to redeem the earth. You want to know why I know that? Because when God decided to send the Savior of the world, he chose his own son. The redemption of planet Earth is still a family business. Did you hear me, church? The redemption of planet Earth is still a family business. It's still a father, a son, the spirit choosing to extend their family to ours so that we would all be part of one family. Now here's the deal. I know that for some of you, hearing a message about what family is supposed to be is extremely hard to hear. I know that some of you guys hearing a message about what family is supposed to be is gut-wrenching to hear because some of you come from broken and abusive families where you didn't get the support, where you didn't get forgiveness and selfless love. In fact, for some of you, you almost want to forget as much as you can your past experience with your families. I'm here to tell you something. When it comes to family, None of us have seen it modeled perfectly. But there is still a perfect model in God. When it comes to family, none of us have seen it modeled perfectly. But there's still a perfect model. Did you know that the whole family concept in general is actually a, a, a perfect example of the Trinity? Did you know that? If you look at passages in Scripture like Exodus 15, 13, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. The masculine traits that we're supposed to get from our fathers. The divine masculinity that exists in creation. Creation got it from the Father. My masculinity is not toxic. 
My masculinity is divine. Misplaced masculinity is toxic. But, but, when, but when we connect to God, the source, and he changes our hearts on the inside out, now what the world labels as toxic, we can declare as divine. There are other scriptures that speak to the masculinity deity traits of God. Like Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. God, my rock in whom I take refuge. Some of us men, it's our glory to be a solid rock for our friends, for our communities. Now a lot of these you already know, but what about the divine feminine traits we also get from God? Did you know that God is actually not limited to one gender? His son, yes, is a man who is a male, yes, but did you know that the same way that humanity gets its masculinity traits, it also gets its feminine traits from God? This, by the way, needs to be corrected. My friends, I'm trying to tell you that women are just as divine as men. It's time to stop treating wicked women like second-class citizens in the church. Because the Bible says, in his image, he created them both, male and female. No one gender is more important than the other. Both, when they come together as one, reveal the face of God. The Bible talks about the motherly traits of God. In Isaiah 42, 14, it says, God, the God who cries out in labor. For a long time I've kept my peace, but I have, I have kept still and restrained myself, but now I will cry out like a woman in labor. That's God speaking. This is the same God who describes himself as like a nursing mother. Isaiah 49, 15, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Yes, even these may forget, but I will not forget you, says the Lord. The Bible also describes God as a comforting mother. Isaiah 66, 13, as, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. How many guys just remember being a little kid coming up to mama for comfort? I do. I remember coming up to my mom. She was my safest place as a child. And the Bible says that the same way that a mother comforts their child, so shall my God comfort you. <laughs> where's Nancy? Don, where's Nancy? Did she leave? She's praying for his people at home? Of course. Of course. God describes himself as a mama bear. 
in, Isaiah, in Hosea 13, 8. I will fall upon them like a mother bear robbed of her cubs. <laughs> I will tear open their breasts and devour them like a lion, and as a wild beast, I will rip them open. It's an angry mama bear. <laughs> but that's what God is like for anyone who messes with his kids. We understand the brotherly brotherhood experience from the Son, Jesus. The Bible calls Jesus in the book of Romans, chapter 8, 29, for those he foreknew, he also predestined and to become conformed into the image of his Son so that Jesus might become the firstborn of many brothers. John 17, uh, John 20, verse 17, Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but I go, but go and tell my brothers and say to them, I have ascended to my Father, your Father, my God, your God. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, for he who sanctifies, for, he, for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call us brothers. So think about it. You got God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son, by which we can actually experience the perfect model in him. Some of you missed out on the love of your mother. The Holy Spirit is here to fill in the gap. Some of you missed out on the love of your father. Father God is here to fill in the gap. Some of you have terrible relationships with your siblings. Siblings, Jesus the Son is here to fill in the gap. That just proves to you that in God we have all that we need. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.